0: And I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions. It's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves, and to help our companies Take on different strategies. Pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you gotta have great tasting food. You gotta have great tasting beverages. Package goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're gonna lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge, go back, pick out some brands, some CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're gonna find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week, but I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week. Stay tuned for this week's episode. Welcome into Winning at Work. This is Tony Moore. And I think every time I go out and I eat, I'm confronted with, all right, I've got some take home. I've got some desire. I've got to bring bring a box home of some sort. And we look at all this plastic that comes back. And I'm just constantly reminded of the problem that the food and beverage industry has with plastic. And frankly, it goes way beyond food and beverage. It's CPG. I mean, it's it's everywhere. And some entrepreneurs are tackling this issue. They've got lots of interesting ways that they go about this. And I've had some other guests on before, and we have discussed um, different forms of the new economy, this new um, reusable economy where you use something and you put it back into the ecosystem. It gets washed and gets reused. We're seeing more and more of that stuff out there. Sadra and I, she's the new CEO for No Evil Foods. By the way, congratulations on that. I, I don't know exactly when that happened, but I, I, I do see that's a, a new position for you. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, um, it happened. It happened pretty recently. Um, I uh, Four weeks ago, maybe.
0: Four weeks. So here we go. I I knew it was pretty recent. Um, And we had, you know, you and I were kind of chatting beforehand and you had, you said something to me, Sager, that was really, really interesting. You said, well, you know, we are, you know, plastic negative. I was like, what does that mean? And before I got you to answer, I said, wait a minute, that's a podcast. (laughs) So Thank you so much for coming down, taking time out of your busy day, running No Evil Foods to talk to us a little bit about what this means, like how can brands work to this goal of achieving plastic negative? I want to really get into this with you. So what what is this?
1: Yeah, so the, the way that our uh, plastic negative certification works is we... Um, Found a organization, they're called Repurpose Global, and uh, they're a worldwide organization that's dedicated to empowering innovators um, who are on the front lines trying to reduce our waste problems, trying to uh, create new streams of livelihoods uh, for people in the waste industry, um, and really ultimately trying to restore nature's balance. Um, currently, they have over, I think, 100 businesses like No Evil Foods, um, and it's it's global, so I think they've They've got 150 plus countries um, that they're operating in. And it's a a sort of like basically based on the concept of plastic credits. So you're measuring, you're reducing, you're offsetting um, each unique footprint of the individual company. So it's very tailored to the actions and the specific impact of the company, which is really great because it's... Scales with the size of your company, so it really enables companies of all sizes, large and small, to assess their plastic emissions, set an incentive structure, work that structure into their financial models, and then you know it rewards future footprint reductions. So you, know, you can really take action um, by financing this this removal. The way it works for no evil foods, there's a couple different tiers. You can be like plastic neutral, plastic negative, and I think there's a, a third one which is escaping me, But we're plastic negative. So what that means is that uh, we made a commitment to the removal and reuse of an amount of plastic that's equal to 200% um, of the plastic used in our packaging.
0: Okay, that's a big number. Yeah. 200%. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a system whereby you kind of assess where your company is, how much being, is being used. And you come up with this kind of a, a, a reward system. I know you're going to kind of, kind of get into that. I, I guess I just have so many questions about it. So, so what steps did you take to kind of start implementing this process?
1: They make it super easy, and that's one of the reasons that we went with Repurpose Global because they're they're really focused on circularity. So they're looking at a full systems approach. It's not just about getting plastic out of the you know ecosystem, but they're also working from um, a social uh, standpoint as well. And we can get into that a little bit uh, later. But to be negative, we you know we calculated our plastic footprint which for us means, you know, the way that we package our products, and maybe that's a good place to start, is that, you know, we're, we're a food brand. And so plastic is sort of a, a necessary evil, I guess you could say. Um, and it's very challenging for a refrigerated or frozen product like ours to remove plastic entirely from um, our processes. And we went through several... Uh, a a very, very long process of trying to identify alternatives. And, you know, that's a a topic we might get into as well. Like
0: Um, packaging, you mean, things like that.
1: Right, right. Like what Mm -hmm. are the alternatives to plastic and, you know, what are all the considerations to making a larger shift to switch our, our substrate that we're using for our packaging. Um, When we ultimately came to the decision or the realization that there wasn't a better alternative for us, given a number of factors, um, and that plastic was going to be something that we, we had to keep using, um, we sort of had this moment of reckoning and we said, okay, if plastic is going to be a continued part of our packaging to create a food product that's you know, quality and safe for our consumers, then we need to take responsibility for the plastic that we're creating because it's just this enormous problem. Um, and so we found Repurpose Global and what we do is we work with them to measure our plastic. And so each of our bits of plant meat, our plant meat products are packaged in a, a thermoform form um, barrier uh, substrate, which is a, a, a plastic. Um, and we, we weigh that piece of plastic. And so we know that for each one of our products, it, it's equivalent to X amount of of weight. Um, and then for every unit that we sell, uh, we commit to removing twice as much plastic as the weight of one of our plastic packages, if that makes sense. Um, yeah,
0: that's that 200%. So if you were right. doing 100%, you'd be neutral. Exactly. But you've done 200%. So see, I'm good at math. I got that mental mm-hmm. math. We so keep it that's, simple. Yeah, keep it simple. So that's, wh- that's how you're going negative. So explain this though. So, and believe me, I, I get it you know, it's hard to replace plastic and it's not like you're going to go to styrofoam. That's worse or, you know, just as bad. So there are some limitations around what you can use, as you say, for for shipping and for keeping things cold and refrigerated in the shelves. So how do you, through Repurpose Global, actually take out additional plastic? Do you look further into the supply chain? How do you get to it?
1: Yeah. So. I mean, I think it's important to think about uh, plastic and the problems that it creates and why an organization like Repurpose Global or or some of the other ones that exist are important um, because I think a lot of us... Have this idea that recycling is like doing what it should do,' oh, um, you know, God, it's <laughs> you think, not
0: even close
1: you think recycling's working you're like, all right we're doing this good thing, we 're doing the right thing, our items are going in the recycling bin, like all is good, but the problem is that everything we 're told about the benefits of recycling and the success of recycling is like absolutely and critically wrong. Um, every single piece of plastic that 's ever been manufactured is still in existence today, and in the u s only nine percent of it has been recycled. Um,
0: God, in, in, Europe,
1: in Europe, it's it's higher. Fortunately, it's around forty percent. Um, so you know, I you know, go go Europe, <laughs> to teach us your ways. Um, <laughs> right?
0: Like, what are you doing? How? can we get more than 9% recycled?
1: Right. And so the majority, you know, if, if only 9% is getting recycled, what's happening to the rest of it? And the answer is that it's ending up in landfills um, or most likely our oceans, other waterways. Um, and I think the other piece of it that really was a powerful sort of driver for us and for for me personally and for, for the company for No Evil Foods um, is that. There's a real human cost to our dependency on plastic, and I think it's a piece of this system failure that we don't speak about enough and it's you know we the plastic doesn't end up on our shores um the united states ships its plastic waste across the world and it ends up largely um, being shipped to the poorest countries with insufficient waste management systems um, which then kind of perpetuates a cycle of forcing workers into these low-paying jobs um, and perpetuates a cycle of poverty and so you know when i really started to like look at the various and myriad problems with plastic and its impacts, I was just, I was shocked and they were so hard for me to accept. And so, you know, kind of circuitous way of answering your question. Um, the reason that plastic doesn't get recycled, um, in, in part is that we don't have the, this, the, um, waste management systems and structures in place, but a lot of it is also the plastics that we're using. They're low value plastics that are very, very difficult to, Recycle. So, your plastic grocery bag that you get at the store, that's typically a low value plastic. It's a single use plastic. It's not one of the harder, firmer plastics that re- can really be um, melted back down and reused for something else. Like a majority of plastic is these single use bags and items and things that really have no value in the overall yes. um, waste system. And so, what I think is really cool about what uh, Repurpose Global is doing is that they're adding value to low-value plastic waste. So the waste that's otherwise considered too unprofitable to bother diverting from landfills is given value, and the work is done through this global impact network of like deeply vetted recycling initiatives that you know spans three continents, um, so that you can really tangibly reduce the plastic that's ending up in the ecosystems because you're now developing a income stream for folks that you know wouldn't have it previously adding protections around there you know we're supporting um, over 40 um, workers and their families um, with our impact partner organization um, in india we're helping to develop uh, the actual waste management processing infrastructure as well because it's again full system thinking it's not just help people remove plastic but then what do they do how do they responsibly uh process it and so this organization is helping to really uncover and work to solve all of those issues um it's it's pretty amazing
0: yeah i definitely i need to dig in more to what you're doing with repurpose global i, mean, I might have to have them on too because it's this low value plastic is the stuff that we all just throw away because you just look at it and you know it's so thin now when I'm vacationing over in uh, California and I like go into the grocery store, those plastic bags they give you are really thick, and I know what you're talking about. I mean, you feel like there's a big difference in those um, that that's probably just one example of maybe a higher value. So I would be curious to know how they're repurposing the low value, but I think that's for um, another time. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the steps that you're taking to you know find the right partners to help you with more reduction. What about your, your vendors, right? Because you're obviously having to deal with their supply chain and the, their streams of plastic. So do you kind of focus on that side of the equation as well?
1: We don't yet. So there's actually another designation where you could be a plastic negative company, which is a tier higher than than plastic negative um, products. Which is is right now we're just I quantifying see, see. Product the products. Okay, okay, exactly. You can you can start to monitor that. All of the pallet wrap that comes in, all you know, you could you could measure and quantify your entire supply chain um, that's incoming throughout, you know, the the entire process um and quantify and offset that. But yeah, we're we're, you know, we're still a growing brand and it was a a, you know a huge step for us to take this stand to be plastic negative. We were actually the first plant-based meat company um to hold the plastic negative designation in in the world. And so we're we're super excited and proud to be leaders in in that way and demonstrating that even small companies can take these steps. And I think what's important to me and what I want to push and really drive Um, Home is that like, if a company at our stage can, can make these commitments, then why the hell can't Kraft do it? Why, you know, why the hell can't General Mills do it? Um, If we can make, if we can show that it's possible, there's absolutely zero excuse for the largest um, contributors in the world to not follow suit.
0: Well, that's where advocacy comes into play, right? I mean, you you have your day job, but when you're off of work, you do have time. I mean, you can join a nonprofit, you can get involved with groups that that advocate, and some of this stuff could might even have to go through some regulatory, or codifying. You know what consumers want, but you've got to start with your house rep. If you really have a problem, you know, with plastic, that's how the states were You go to your house rep, you try to get a bill sponsored, and you know, you raise awareness and, of course, you try to get those companies that are then shipping and doing business in your state to adhere to that. That way you don't have to necessarily go company by company, right? You, mm-hmm. you hit it at the state level. So I know that sounds like kind of pie in the sky, but that's really a great strategy, in my opinion. Um, you just have to find a representative that is sympathetic to your cause, right, and then sponsor something through them. That's one way. Of course, you can just – heck, you can boycott anybody, you know right. <laughs> the wallet, the wallet talks quite a bit. Tell but us- they
1: they wouldn't understand. You know the reason why you're choosing. You know I think I think the the advocacy route is an important one. And I think even mm-hmm. as as we're speaking to our representatives, I think that we how we shift the narrative is important because it's not just about life below water. It's not just about the photos that we see of the sea turtles. You know wrapped up in in the plastic bags. I think and obviously we're a vegan company, so we're very conscious and, um, you know, compassionate to the the plight mm-hmm. of animals and in the sea and everywhere. But there's a really big impact to people. Um, it helps, you know, for us, we are looking at it really from the sustainable development goals perspective. And for us, you know, it helps build sustainable cities and communities. It helps um, end poverty in all of its forms. And it's also a a, a racial justice issue. You know, when you think about, fence line communities and where people are putting plastic plants and how people in the global south are getting burdened with the the problems of developed countries like it is a very big and deep issue that we should be speaking to our representatives about
0: i I agree and this is why we have the podcast we do want to raise awareness and of course we're going to learn a little bit more about your brand here because i mean i'm familiar but this is a great it's going to be a great platform to kind of let more people know about it but to talk a little bit about the financial impact, positively, negatively, some of the the challenges of taking on this certification that you just acquired.
1: Yeah, I mean the the, the process is easy in terms of uh, a people um, you having to devote people to managing um, the relationship and the certification or tracking it. Uh, Repurpose Global makes it very very easy. You you basically um, you know it's a flat rate. Based on the weight, um, and I can't remember what that that weight uh, or what that price is, but there's there's a specific for every pound it costs X amount to to offset. So it's a flat rate, um, and it's based on projections, and then you reconcile that based on actual sales. So it's very very tangible and specific to the you know plastic that you're literally putting out into the world. Um, it's not just a, a blank quarterly spend or something like that. Um, But it does require, you know, it it hits your margins. Um, It it impacts your, your cogs. um, And that's something to be mindful of. And I think that, you know, when when we looked at it, and we, we saw all of these issues, of course, we're a very, you know, purpose led brand. Um, And so we wanted to do it just from a, you know, this, this, this is the right thing to do. If we're going to create this problem, if we're going to participate in it, then like this, this is our way to show up and take responsibility for it. Um, but we're also a business, right? And so we had to figure out like, does this make business sense? Um, and what we found is that, you know, consumers really care about sustainability um, and we should too. And so it's, you know, it was already an important value to us, but as a business, we had to validate with data, whether or not we could actually, you know, uh, make, yeah, this, you justify make this, expense it, right? yeah. to justify that's the word I'm looking for. We had yeah. to justify the expense. And so, you know, we already knew that our company values aligned with a consumer that exists in large enough numbers that sustainability is a driver of purchase intent. So there's already, you know, the Venn diagram is already, uh, overlapping. Um, and we worked with a data firm to dig deeper into consumer behavior. And what we found is that I think it was, it was 44, 45%, something like that, of plant-based consumers believe that brands, like specifically plant-based consumers, believe that brands should have more of a commitment to sustainable packaging. So that re- helped us reinforce that like we're on the right path to Simultaneously growing our business and also growing our impact. Um, And then there's, there's like larger data that you can look at more broadly of the CPG sort of industry um, or just consumers overall. And it's 80%, um, 88% actually of consumers where they want to see brands actually um, help them make more environmentally friendly and ethical choices in their lives. So if your brand isn't helping consumers improve their environmental and social footprint, our perspective was you're in danger of disappointing 88% of them. If we're not already doing that, like we're missing this huge number of people who could be potential customers who are looking for brands like ours to, to make choices easier. You know They don't want to get their package delivered from Amazon or wherever and have to strip off layers and layers of plastic to get to whatever item they purchased and then say, "Well, now what the heck am I supposed to do with all of this?" They want companies that help them make the choices and their impact smaller.
0: That's a huge number. I didn't realize it was up to eighty-eight percent. So the mm-hmm. consumer sentiment is definitely there. How does that translate, though, into pricing?
1: Well, it is built into our our, our margins and into our cogs. Okay. And so, because we know that for each, I'm just going to make up a number, but for each. Sure, sure. Package we sell, it's you know, it's it's a penny. Let's say to offset the plastic waste, uh, we know that there's an additional penny that's hitting the margin or going into the cogs to produce that single package of uh, of, of plant meat, and so you know, we we build that in. Um, in full transparency, we're an emerging company. We're not yet profitable, so you know, we're not a one hundred percent success rate yet. But we looked at the numbers and we thought that this was a very minimal expense in our overall um, product inputs. Um, you know, to to say that it's worth trying, um, and there's a number of other areas in our supply chain and our processes where we'll be able to improve those margins. Where uh, over time we can bring those numbers down, and you know, of course, we will eventually become a profitable profitable company. Um, but this this penny or two, whatever it cost us to take responsibility for our plastic, wasn't going to be the linchpin in in the system. And so, you know, we we figured that like. that's that's the least of our sort of margin issues. Uh, There's other areas that we can uh, dial it in to make a much bigger impact on uh, margin improvement. And so in terms of communicating it, um, we do communicate it on social media. Um, We did recently go through a packaging rebrand to um, highlight our plastic negative status more clearly. Uh, You know, when you're given, uh, or awarded the certification or validated for it. Um, you are given access to a logo that says certified plastic, negative certified, plastic, neutral, whatever the case may be. And so we've been able to put that right on the front of our package. Um, the interior of our package also, um, helps communicate a little more fully what that certification means and goes into that number of 200% of plastic being removed from natural ecosystems. Um, And, you know, we've, we've talked about it. We've actually done talks around, uh, you know, similar to this podcast, but, you know, I've done global talks on the issue about how um, the plant-based industry, but all industries really should be taking more responsibility and and walking people through the challenges that we had in trying to identify a, a Different alternative to plastic, you know, um, and because we already had manufacturing equipment in place, it wasn't so easy to just switch it out into a bio based plastic, for instance, that would have required us to switch all of our manufacturing capabilities, um, which wasn't a reality. And so kind of what was the alternative? we found this. And so walking people through the steps of assessing their own, um, processes and process flows. Um, I'm also, uh, I'm, I joined the board of the plant-based foods association, which oh, is, congratulations. The, um, Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it was the end of 2020, that I uh, joined the board there, but more recently in this year, um, I uh, became co-chair of the recently formed sustainability committee, um, on the plant-based foods association, um, And so that's, you know, this plastic packaging issue is something that's very important to our membership. Um, And so, you know, we have a committee now that's dedicated to sort of working through these issues. How do we as an industry um, make more of an impact make it easier for people to take responsibility um, and do that in a data-based way too? I mean, it's a little bit of a diversion from from our plastic conversation today. But when we did our packaging rebrand, we actually did a life cycle analysis of our previous packaging, which actually was um, biodegradable, the the exterior piece of it was a a biodegradable paperboard, our new packaging is not uh, a certified compostable package board. And we thought uh, this is going to be like a horrible, impactful environmental change that we didn't really want to make. We did the life cycle analysis and we actually found that our new packaging, which is um, a sustainable forestry initiative certified paperboard that's manufactured using 100% re- renewable wind power, actually decreased our human health burden, our environmental toxicity, and our um, uh, greenhouse gas emissions by over 80%. And we, it wouldn't, wasn't a logical or a conclusion that we would have sort of assumed um, that like, hey, this not compostable package is going to be so much more environmentally friendly than this compostable one. And that's where the data becomes so important, particularly as you see people um, who are coming and sort of uh, criticizing or trying to raise issue with how sustainable plant-based products are or are not um, in comparison to animal-based products, having this data, having this life life cycle analysis is critical to being able to really communicate, validate, and prove that you are what you say you are and your impact is what you say it is. Um, And so I encourage everyone to to get the data to support their uh, their beliefs.
0: Well, and that's why one of the roles that the Plant-Based Food Association plays into all the entrepreneurs that are building and growing their brands is that you know you're now uh, you're on the board you're on these other committees you can give that data and push that out to the other emerging brands that maybe haven't gone down that road done the research and and that's how you're all helping each other is um, Nicole Sopko, is she still with the board is she still there she is
1: yeah she's our board president
0: okay she's still president okay um, I had her on last year and I know big issues around, um, you know, how the big players in plant-based are going after, oh, excuse me, the big players that are in beef are going after, you know, beef and poultry are are going after the, the, the plant-based companies for the way they, you know, use language on their packaging Mm -hmm. and such. So you guys have a lot of fights, you know, on a lot of fronts, you know, so I really encourage people to, do a little more research, pick some companies that you like in this space, pick some food that you like that tastes good. Um, I'm a flexitarian, so I, I'm always looking for subs, you know, and you have to kind of go down that that um, that journey of finding out, you know, what you like, what your family's going to eat and things like that and do it and support these companies because it, it's, uh, it's expensive to do all the work you're doing. Well, before we go, tell us a little bit more about your brand, um, No Evil Foods, and kind of what different, you know, SKUs are out there, what channels you're in, and then let's also finish with the best way for people to find you.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so No Evil Foods creates um, meat made from plants using simple AF ingredients. Uh, that's animal free oh. um, or, what, or whatever else you want it to be. I'm and, sorry. Uh, you tickled
0: my phone <laughs> with that one. You're so um, straight lace and then you hit me with a left. I was like, wow. It's,
1: it's all about the delivery, right? It was. Um, perfect. And so we're really focused on clean label innovation paired with like this diehard commitment to sustainability. That's kind of um, where we're a little bit different than than many of the brands in the category. And that's all based on this belief that like, we don't have to F up the planet to feed ourselves. And we shouldn't simultaneously, we shouldn't have to compromise great tasting food in exchange for healthy ingredients. Like we wanted to make sure that there wasn't any trade-off, like the leading driver to plant-based eating is health, but no one's going to just eat healthy just for the hell of it. Like it's got to taste good. They're not going to keep coming back to the category over and over. unless you know, the taste and the texture experience is there. We're not trying to emulate meat, um, 100%, you know, in a blind taste test, if we don't taste exactly like chicken, that's not a failure for us. Um, we want to be, a different type of protein. So in the same way that, you know, a pork chop is not the same as a hot dog, even though it's derived from the same animal, um, plant meat doesn't need to be exactly congruous with animal based meat. Um, and so we're really trying to create these just crazy, delicious, true plant meat experiences that are healthy enough to make a daily habit out of, um, while using like simple, recognizable and very minimally processed ingredients. Um, and so we're, we're available, uh, in stores nationwide, um, and, you know, we're in Whole Foods, we're in Sprouts, uh, lots of independent retailers across the country. Um, and you know, we've, we've, we just believe in in real food and, um, and, and real impact. That's kind of what we're about.
0: I love that you said that you're not trying to make it taste just like meat, because I think that's the big mistake, in my opinion, that's made, you know, it, it can be different. What it needs to be is like you say, it needs to just taste good. Mm -hmm. You know, if it tastes good and it's got good texture, then fine. You can find ways to use it and, you know, kind of, in my case, kind of sub it in. Um, if if that's what your family is kind of used to, uh, otherwise you can just go you know go full with it. Uh, so yeah, we usually re-
1: get one or one or two responses where people are like, "Wow, if you didn't tell me it wasn't me, I wouldn't have known." That's you know one response. The other one is, you know, it's it's not exactly Italian sausage, but it's really good. I like it. Like I, I could cook with this. I could eat this. And either response is is great, like, and we're, we're happy with both. Yeah,
0: exactly, and that's the point. You know, give the cooks something that they can work with and they'll figure it out. You know, it doesn't have to just be this one for one perfect. Uh, and there's some brands out there. Uh, we won't mention them that are definitely trying to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's retail. Are you guys, uh, are you dabbling at all in uh, food service with this?
1: We are. We, you know, we were about to make a much bigger food service play in 2020, but we all know how yeah, that evolved. Yeah, um, and yeah. so it's not a large part of our business. It's something that we're um, looking to grow. Uh, we've had sort of an organic food service growth. We've got actually um, Screamers Pizzeria, very well-known pizza uh, shop up in uh, Brooklyn uh, using our products and, you know, a couple places down in Florida. So we're kind of like spread oh, out nice. mostly like mom and pop uh, retailers. We would love to get into quick serve Restaurants um, and offer them more healthy, you know, clean, clean, healthy processed or healthy ingredients um, that are minimally processed. Um, So that's that's something that we're going to be looking at more heavily as we, uh, you know, roll into probably late late this year, early next year.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what strategy you take if you go with the branded or you go with white label. I see Mm -hmm. kind of both, but both sides of that argument. So it'll be kind of interesting to see what what the QSRs will will we'll let you do right uh Sager this has been great I mean we covered a lot in a short period of time I think it's because you're like a machine gun <laughs> <laughs> I mean it was like load another load another one in that's a, I think that's a pretty good way in. to
1: describe me <laughs> I mean I'm like
0: bam she just knocked it out um that's fantastic so it's, anyone else this would have taken 45 minutes you're you're automatically like the 1.5 on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> right? You gotta, right, you gotta slow
1: me down. You I, can't slow exactly. me down. There's is, no slowing is, down. Is there like a
0: slowdown? Is is there like a <laughs> slowdown? I don't think I have a slowdown on the uh, iTunes or Spotify account. So everyone uh, who are you're used to the one one and a half don't
1: <laughs> look Tony. We don't have time to be slow about this. We exact- gotta move on oh, all of nice these sustainability segue. issues. Oh, we we cannot take you. our time. We cannot go slow and drag our feet. Like action needs to happen now. There you and go, from- action,
0: yeah. action. A woman after my own heart. That is that is what I'm all about. Act, learn, adjust. That is uh, my it pops up all the time in my in my personality profiles. Uh, Sage, it's been fantastic. Uh, oh, website is there like a store locator.
1: There is. Yeah, it's it's noevilfoods.com store locators. uh, We're going through a transition. So it's a little bit wonky right now. If you can't find (laughs) us in your area, uh, just reach out. We'll we'll help help you uh, help you find out where you're where you're headed.
0: Are you on all the socials as well?
1: Absolutely. Everything's at noevilfoods.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook. That's where we're most active and uh, follow me on LinkedIn if that's your jam.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to put everything down in the show notes so you guys can check out everything that they're doing and check out Repurpose Global. Sadra, thank you so much. Thank you.